Okay. If you hear baby noises in the background, Everett is here with me. (laughs) I'm Lindsay. I'm here to teach you proven strategies to be your own therapist that will take you from anxious to relieved. I'm here to help you feel lighter and hopeful while building a life full of meaning. I'm a licensed anxiety therapist running a successful private practice in New York City. So from someone that gives therapy and has been in therapy, I'm here to help you use the formula that moved me forward through serious anxiety in my own life. So follow along as I share what works and what doesn't. This is Unlock Your Therapy. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining me today for Unlock Your Therapy podcast. Excuse my voice. I'm still getting over being sick, but I'm so happy you are all here listening. The launch of the podcast was last week, and I'm just blown away with how many of you listened, gave it support, left me a rating, wrote up something for a review. Truly, it it really helped so much and means the world to me. So thank you to everybody who really jumped in there and helped me out. We're so excited. I can't wait to be on here every week. I'm really enjoying it. I know it's probably in the honeymoon phase of a work thing I'm doing, but I'm excited and I'm thinking this is definitely going to be something I'm passionate about and just really love doing. The whole reason I wanted to start a podcast was to really connect with everybody and talk to people in a different way. When you're a therapist, you don't necessarily get to just talk and share for no reason. You are responding to someone else's content and trying to give value in relation to what they're going through. But so many times I just want to teach people things that i think are valuable outside of what's going on immediately for them that could also just help them improve their life. So I'm just so excited. So anyway, diving into this week's episode, we are going to go over highs and lows. And I'm going to share, I think I have two highs to share with you today. And I have my low. Then we're going to jump over to anxiety, where we go over a hot topic of mental health, uh, research, a book, something going on in the media, anything that's pertinent to mental health that's interesting. And today I have a good one for us. We're going over perceived stress, and we're going to be going over some research that was conducted on that that I'm excited to share. Next up, skill of the week. We're going to go over my number one way to take away power from your anxiety and really takes the air out of the flame, so to speak. So it's really the number one thing I think helps improve anxiety. So that is, I'll probably be talking about it more than once on here, but today that is the skill of the week, which I am excited for. Action item of the week, we are going to, I don't want to give it away yet, but it's going to really help you change your thinking and thought process. All right, let's jump in. Highs and lows. So my high of the week was we got an offer on a co-op that we're trying to sell. 
So it's been on the market a few weeks now, several weeks, I'd say. And, you know, the market, the real estate market, um, the cops in Manhattan. So, you know, it's very up and down and it's not the best environment to sell in Manhattan right now. But we are really excited. We got an offer. So hopefully it works out. I'm not going to get my hopes up just yet, but seems promising. So that's one of my highs. The other high is I got a call yesterday from Carson's daycare that he was going to this year. And they let me know that they were approved by New York City to be part of the 3K program in New York City, which is, um, for anyone that doesn't know, New York City offers free 3K and free 4K for any child in New York City. So I'm excited about that. The only problem is I already registered him for the school he got into for 3K. You have to apply and put 12 schools down. He only got into one. So I already did the whole registration process for that school. So I'm not quite sure what's going to happen with it because his daycare that called me yesterday, they're not quite set up and ready to register. So they have a wait list. So I don't want to risk his placement in the school he's at now. So I'm not sure how that works. I have to do a little digging to see if I can be on a separate wait list and if that changes things with the registration I just did. So it's a little up in the air. I would love for him to be at the same school, but it's it's a hard decision because the school that I registered him for is really good as well over here in Bayside, Queens. And they have an infant room for Everett to go to when I'm ready to send him to daycare. And they have openings and it's more affordable than the school Carson was just at for babies. And they offer um, a discount as well for being a New York City school teacher, which Dan, my husband, is. So it's a tough decision, but I was listening to a podcast and um, I forget who it was, but someone was talking about decision making and how there's no wrong decisions or bad decisions, but that there's pros and cons for every decision. So instead of racking your brain of what's the right, perfect decision, it's more of there's pros and cons for either way I go. Um, So that's what I'm trying to think of, that there's no bad decision. It's just different pros and cons for each one. So I got to collect more information. I'll let you know. But yeah, for anyone that didn't know in New York City, it's free 3K and that's really affected our decision. We wanted to move further out into Queens, but we didn't want to cross the border into Nassau County because we wanted free 3K, 4K, and we also didn't want to pay Long Island property tax. (laughs) So that is my highs, which is great. My low is that we're all sick here. I was sick two weeks ago with like a sinus infection. Then I got sick again from Carson, who was sick twice this month. And I got terribly sick with like a fever, ears, something wrong with my tonsils, laryngitis. Dan picked up the sickness as well. So yeah, we've all just been very sick. And Everett has a little bit of like mucus going on, but I'm hoping he's not full on catching what we have. So I'm just trying to keep him healthy. We've been wearing masks around him and I have his humidifier on all the time. So Hoping for the best for this little baby. Okay, jumping into anxiety, where we spill the tea on what's happening in the mental health world in an easy to understand way. Today, we're going to be talking about perceived stress, 
Perceived stress is exactly what it sounds like. It's our perception of stress going on. So for example, I could be laid off from my job and someone else could as well. And it's the same exact circumstances, but our stress levels about that might be very different. And that has a lot to do with our perception of control, our level of confidence to get another job, kind of how you feel internally about yourself and your outlook on the world. So all of that affects how we perceive stressful events that happen in our lives. So there's all these different scales. So if you've ever been to the doctor's office, sometimes they might give you um, a scale to fill out. So like a depression scale or a postpartum uh, scale to complete. They have ones for kids. So they have a scale called the PSS-4. They have another one called the PSS-10. It just refers to how many questions are on that version. So it's the perceived stress scale. So why I think this is so interesting is because it's different than scales for depression or anxiety that just measures symptoms. This measures how we feel about our level of control in our lives. So I think it's kind of very unique, the perceived stress scale. And I think it's interesting to think about. So the perceived stress scale originally had, I think it even had more, but the last version had 10 items, but there's one with four items that was proven to be valid as well through different research. And it was developed in the 1980s, the one with the four questions. Some research found it to be like not so solid on the validity and reliability, but other research did prove that it was perfectly valid to ask only these four questions. So I'm going to read these four questions because I just think it gives us a lot of insight into why people react differently to the same events in our lives. So the first question is, in the last month, how often have you felt that you were unable to control the important things in your life? Second question, in the last month, how often have you felt confident about your ability to handle your personal problems? Number three, In the last month, how often have you felt that things were going your way? Number four, in the last month, how often have you felt difficulties were piling up so high that you could not overcome them? And then the answers are zero is never, then almost never, sometimes, fairly often, and very often. So I just think those four questions give us a lot of insight into what makes us feel stressed out and like we have no control in our lives versus the same bad events might happen to other people, but they feel not as stressed out about them because they're confident about their abilities. So I just think it's good food for thought. I'm actually going to use the perceived stress scale as a before and after for some of my courses that I'm going to be coming out with and possibly even some coaching programs I'm going to be coming out with because I think it's a good thing to have some measure before people start something new and a measure to have after they complete it and maybe even halfway in the middle because people don't remember how badly they felt or how they were doing because they don't really notice how much they've improved. We don't give ourselves enough credit for how much improvement we've made. So I worked for another company before and they did this. They gave some version of the perceived stress scale before, in the middle, and after the treatment. And it really helped. I was able to go over it and we made like a bar graph out of it. And people really could see like, wow, yeah, I was doing really terribly back in April when we met and we talked for the first time. And now here it is in August and I'm feeling much better. And people don't really, when you don't know, you don't attribute it to anything. You attribute it to just luck or life or 
now I randomly feel better. But really, people are learning skills, they're implementing strategies, they're maybe creating new habits, or they're just getting a different perspective, which is probably the number one most important thing, and a different relationship with what they're going through, and a different understanding of it. And I think this scale shows that. If you have a different understanding of what's happening to you, regardless of the events that are happening to you, you can really feel differently in your life. And I think when you feel like you have control... It's not as scary as you maybe once thought it was or as it is to someone else who feels that they don't have control. That then affects our actions we're able to take. If I feel like, yeah, I got fired, but I have the ability to get another job. I'm confident in my abilities. I know I'll be fine. That's going to affect my desire to get myself out there again. So if I'm feeling really terrible about it and kind of wallowing in it, feeling like I don't have control and feeling like I don't have control then that's going to be different. Maybe I'm kind of lounging around or I'm not excited when I hop on my laptop to look for jobs or I'm not very confident in an interview. So all this really affects us a lot. So that's the perceived stress scale. You can go online and Google it. Just type in PSS4 or PSS10 is the longer version. And I just think it's really cool um, as opposed to all the other scales. I'm usually someone who doesn't like scales and just assign your feelings a number and this and that. But I think this one kind of gets to a different level of our thinking and our perception. And I think that's huge because I think if you can't change a problem, your other options are to stay miserable or to change your perception. And I think that scale kind of points that out, which is cool. I created something brand new, the No More People Pleasing mini course. I help women to stop people-pleasing and put themselves first without the guilt. What would life look like if you could stop asking your partner to order food for you in a restaurant or ask your boss for that raise you're long overdue for? I'm going to teach you four proven strategies, research-proven strategies, that's going to bring you from people-pleasing and passive to empowered and confident. You're going to use my outline, my scripts, my beautifully designed PDFs, to get the exact skills you need to become more assertive in your life. I'm going to teach you four skills through my videos and worksheets that's going to bring you to a place of confidence and being assertive in your life. You're going to get my beautifully designed self-esteem daily journal to print out, my practice assignments to start changing your mindset and your behaviors. If you sign up now before I launch, you can get it for $29. That's the lowest it will ever be. And I'm giving everyone who signs up now a bonus gift. So go to at Unlock Your Therapy on Instagram, click the link in my bio to get on the list. The skill of the week, let's dive in. Thought diffusion. So thought diffusion means that you are diffusing from your thoughts. So what does that mean, Lindsay? (laughs) So basically when we have thoughts of any kind, but especially anxious ones, they'll come into our brain and we often treat thoughts like they're facts, but they're not. They're just thoughts. I could have a thought, I'm going to go win the lottery. That's just a thought I'm having. It's not a fact. So we have to kind of think of our thoughts as just thoughts, not facts, and they're not us, right? So they're not, when I think of what's the essence of Lindsay, it's not my thoughts. 
So that's a little bit of an abstract concept. I once explained this to a client and I said, you're not your thoughts. She said, what are you talking about? How am I not my thoughts? I don't understand. And that's a valid reaction to hearing this for the first time, that your thoughts are just thoughts and they're not you at all. Because we can have intrusive thoughts that just kind of pop in. They're usually disturbing or dark in nature. It could be something random. Like I could be driving on the highway and I could have a thought that's like, oh, what if I steered my car off the road? Or what if I closed my eyes while I was driving and just saw what happened? Those are very intrusive. What's the word I'm looking for? They can be obsessive where it pops in and it disturbs you so much that then that thought keeps returning because the brain is saying, oh, this thought elicits an emotion. So this is a dangerous thought. So we need to kind of keep having it to resolve it in some way. So when we take the emotion out of thought, so I could have a disturbing thought like that, or, oh, what if I, what if someone I love got into a car accident today? Another one that's common for people that are type A and anxious and kind of fit that set of criteria is like if you're hiking up a mountain or something, the thought could be like, oh, what if I jumped off this mountain right now? What if I just jumped off the edge, right? These are very impulsive thoughts that are disturbing to you. It's not like you want to have these types of thoughts, but they're intrusive thoughts. And I find most of my clients have these types of thoughts, but they never talk about it because they feel crazy because they feel like, you know, I I can't say this out loud to someone. People are going to think I'm insane, like that I want to jump off a cliff or that I want to steer my car off the road. No, of course you don't want to do that. It's just impulsive, intrusive thoughts that come with anxiety for some reason. The brain gets stuck in a loop of making up thoughts because it kind of knows they're disturbing to you. And then it's eliciting adrenaline and anxiety because it's making you anxious. And you might wake up in the morning thinking, oh, I hope I don't have those thoughts. And then, of course, those thoughts are going to come. But this can apply to normal thoughts, too, not just these intrusive dark thoughts. But I find most people do have intrusive dark thoughts. And I just want to say that so you know that other people have them, too, and you're not crazy. I've had them. Pretty much every one of my clients has had them. It's extremely, extremely common. And I first heard about it from a psychiatrist that was giving a presentation. And he actually said, dentists have them the most um, because they're kind of tightly wound, type A, perfectionistic people when you're a dentist because it requires such level of detail that they have to be that way. It's a good thing. But they tend to have these very impulsive, darker thoughts invade their mind from time to time because of their way of thinking, so to speak. So when you're controlling everything, the mind kind of goes wild and introduces like these intrusive, unwanted thoughts as like, well, what if you did this? Like something so out of control and you don't have control over having those thoughts either, if that makes sense. If you don't have these kinds of thoughts, (laughs) great, don't worry about it, but just know that it's very normal. And if someone tells you that, that they have these kinds of thoughts, don't think they're crazy or they want to do those actions. They're literally just thoughts and thoughts can't hurt us. Thoughts can't do anything. They're just thoughts in our head. They have no power. And that's what we're going to talk about. How do you take the power away from thoughts so that you know these are just thoughts? I am not these thoughts. These thoughts can come up and visit me. That's fine. And then they can continue on their way. 
And when you can master that skill of thought diffusion, your anxiety is going to get a lot better. So I'm spending a lot of time on skill of the week (laughs) this week because this is, I think, the most important topic is thought diffusion. And a great book, by the way, just for any human alive, is called The Happiness Trap. And there's two versions. If you go on Amazon, find The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris. And there's a normal version that's just like words and text. But there's also a blue cover with a smiley face on it. And that's an illustrated version, which I personally really enjoy. And I think it's good for clients, I'm sorry, for people <laughs> that are anxious, including myself. I bet I use it all the time because it's made up of cartoons and you don't really have to like sit and focus and read. When you're anxious, it's hard to read a book. It's hard to focus your attention. This doesn't really require that. You can open it and like get through like five pages in like a minute because it's mostly just pictures and it's really easy to digest. And it's not one of those books about anxiety that makes you more anxious. When I had a lot of anxiety, I couldn't read a book about anxiety because it would make me so much more anxious. So this book is not like that at all. And it's so great. And he's like the number one person on thought diffusion. So there's a number of ways to do thought diffusion. So basically, first, we just want to notice we're having thoughts which is just saying, oh, I'm having a lot of thoughts right now. Or you can say, I'm having a lot of thoughts about X, Y, Z right now. And we're not judging them, which is hard to do. You're not judging the thoughts you're having. You're just observing them and noticing them, not doing anything else. So then what do we do with that? We just notice and observe them. And we're now we're going we're to try to get a little space from them. So you're going to try to imagine and visualize, if you're a visual person, that the thoughts are, I personally like clouds. My husband makes fun of me for this because he's overheard me say this like on my Instagram videos or whatever. (laughs) And I always say, treat your thoughts like clouds. So you're going to let the clouds come in and you're going to let them go out. And I actually got this from my mom when I was like 10 or 12 and I struggled with anxiety already. And she taught me that like, oh, they're just thoughts. Like just treat them like clouds, let them come in and let them go out. And, you know, who knew that later in my career, that would be like the number one skill I teach people. (laughs) Makes sense though, right? So that is thought diffusion. You're just kind of putting each thought on a cloud, letting it come in and letting it go out. Another one is picturing, I like this one for the fall, (laughs) is picturing leaves on a stream. So you're going to imagine you're sitting on a hill, like a grassy hill, and you're watching a tree by a river or like a little stream, a brook. And the tree has all these leaves that are falling off. Every thought you have is on one of those leaves, and then the stream is carrying them away. So I always like that one. And I imagine like a big fall tree that's colorful. I don't know why, but I like that one. Another thing that I heard is referring to thoughts as private events. And I really liked that. It was in one of the research articles I was reading for this podcast today. And It was talking about them as private events. And I thought that was so true because you could be sitting in a room of people and you're having all of these thoughts happen that's creating anxiety or creating fear or you're really going through it and you can't stop the thoughts and you don't know what to do and you just feel bad. And no one knows you're going through that, right? But it's an event happening to you and that's an internal event happening to you, a private event. So I really, I liked that description a lot. Another thing with the type of therapy I wholeheartedly believe in and the kind that I 
practice and I create all of my courses and material with is that it's a bit different than the other popular therapy out there, which is CBT. You might have heard of that. A lot of people will call and say, oh, my doctor said I need CBT. Well, this is built on CBT. It's like the cousin of that kind of therapy. But a huge difference is, and you, I'm sure you've heard this before, other models believe that when you have a thought, you can just change that thought. So I can have a thought about this. Oh, if I change it to something more positive, I'm going to feel better. And while it's true, if you have different thoughts, you feel better. I don't believe in changing thoughts. Like, oh, I'm going to have this thought. I'm just going to get rid of it, not have it anymore, and choose a better thought to have. I don't think that's possible. I think what helps the most is when you have a thought, you acknowledge it. Oh, here's this thought visiting me. Not fusing with it, not holding on to it, but also not avoiding it. You're not trying to get rid of it per se. You're just trying to let it flow. You're just letting it be there, letting it hang out with you. It can sit next to you on the couch, but you're not like hugging it and fusing together with it and thinking it's real and allowing it to have a huge power over you. You're just letting it visit and chill with you and then let it go on its way. And that's different than like mantras. I believe in mantras. I think those help us feel better. Little sayings we could tell ourselves like, I'll get through this. This too shall pass. I got this or focusing on positive thoughts or like manifesting things in your life, that's different. That's focusing your time and your thinking on a certain topic. So for journaling, people often will do like a morning ritual of like writing down what they want in their life, manifesting things, writing down mantras. That's helpful. That's fine. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about when you have thoughts that you don't want, to not just say, oh, I'm just going to get rid of these, like delete, 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 and replace them. We're acknowledging both. Both can be true at the same time. I can have all these unwanted thoughts that are unhelpful, and I can have positive ones and mantras and focus on manifesting great things in my life. And both of that can exist at the same time. I don't need to just get rid of my unwanted thoughts to be able to feel positive today, be in a good mood, get things done, feel confident. No, it can all exist at the same time. And we often just need to leave it be and let it all exist at the same time. So that's thought diffusion, diving into action item of the week. So for our action item of the week, it's going to be related to our skill of the week and everything else we've been talking about today. So the action item of the week is to try to make fun or use humor with your anxiety and your anxious thoughts. So you can make it into a funny activity. And this is all to try to take away the negative emotion from your anxious thoughts. So you want to take away the fear, the emotion that's tied in with it, and just kind of make light of it. So one thing you could do is sing a song about it. You can literally make up a little jingle, sing it to yourself in the mirror or in your car, in the shower, something funny like, oh, I'm terrified of trains. I don't want to get on the subway today. I feel like I'm going to have a panic attack in front of everybody and they're going to have to call an ambulance, right? But making that into like a funny little song can just take away the fear and maybe help you see like it's kind of ridiculous or whatever, like making light of it. You could repeat the fear to yourself over and over and over again. So you know the way you repeat a word over and over and over and it loses its meaning. It starts to sound ridiculous. Like the sounds sound weird. Like you can't even make sense of this word. 
that can happen to your anxious thought. If there's something you're really worried about or a thought that keeps visiting you that you don't want, you can do that. Say it out loud over and over and over or in your head. Another activity, if you want to get creative, is you can draw a picture of your anxiety. So I used to work with kids and we would do this. We would draw a picture of our feelings. If it was anger or anxiety or stress or worry, whatever, draw a picture of it, like make a scary monster on a paper. Like what would it look like? And that helps to externalize it. Like I am not my anxiety. Here's a picture of what my anxiety looks like. We used to cut out like a shape of a t-shirt from a piece of paper. And on one side, we would write down like what the world sees you as and how you come across. And then on the other side of the t-shirt, we would write how you feel inside and what's going on for you on the inside. And that was helpful too. That's another activity. I think adults can benefit from all these little activities as well. So that's the action item of the week. Thank you for listening. I hope you all have a great week. Tune in next time to get some more strategies to be your own therapist so you can feel lighter, confident, and relieved. Thanks for listening. And if you found this episode to be at all helpful, please subscribe to the podcast, rate and review us, share this episode with one person you think would really benefit from this information. And remember, bring your anxiety with you wherever you go. Just bring it with you. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information on the subject matter covered. It is given with the understanding that neither the host, the guests, the producers, or the publishers are rendering any professional, legal, accounting, clinical, or other professional information. Thanks for listening.